Celebrate Halloween with dressed up donuts from Dunkin', like the spooky sweet Halloween spider donut. Trick or treat! Aren't you a little bit old to be trick or treating? Uh, no. This is, uh, it's just a really good uh, costume. Anyway, I hear you're giving out Dunkin' Spider Donuts? Didn't I just see you with your kid? No, that was just, uh, my friend. Psst, Dad, is it working? Run to Dunkin' all month long for the Halloween Spider Donut and get 10 Munchkin's Donut Hole Treats for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Limited time offer. Participation may vary. This week at Restoration Place. Whatever the Word of God says about being intimate and being close to the one that you love the most, Follow that. If we can get past this, this idea that intimacy has to be something sexual, then we can really grab a hold of what we should be looking for. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Welcome to this place of restoration. of Restoration Christian Ministries, John Baysmore Jr. So we thank God for all of you today and we are continuing our uh, series on relationships. Uh, we have been talking for the past few weeks about the, about the rules of intimacy. So we want to um, continue in that vein. Well, we've not been talking about the rules of intimacy, but we've been talking about relationships that work. But today we are going to cover uh, as briefly as we can, but I want to get into it because I want to dispel some of the ideas about intimacy that, that are out there. And I want, to, I want us to, to fully understand before I sit down today what intimacy really is as described by the Word of God. Now, I know um, there's a lot of people that you know, have been talking to me, you know, asking me, can you talk about relationships, Pastor B? Can you talk about relationships? So, and we've been getting a lot of traction in that area. There's some areas you'll find as you go into ministry, and I'm sure you guys are finding that out now, that you are really anointed to talk about. There, there are things that God has specifically given you that uh, you are, you're, just, you're just anointed to talk about. It, it has nothing to do with your your gifting so much as it does with just this is what God has laid his hands on you to do. And there's something about your lifestyle that seems to match up with that anointing that God has given you. If you ever believe that you're anointing in an area, one of the best ways that you can tell Trey is by the lifestyle that you lead. Because your lifestyle will really uh, coincide with that anointing or that gifting that God has placed on your life. And other people will recognize it. You know, you won't even have to say anything about it, but somehow people will even think that you're an expert in that area when you're really not. But it's just the anointing that they're recognizing on your life. It has nothing to do with how gifted you are, but it's what God has given you. It's your, it's his gift uh, to the body of Christ in the form of you. So again, we're talking about relationships and I want to I really want to talk about this today because I, I'm always fearful of, uh, when I say fearful, and I don't mean scared, but I'm always concerned about the, about the view 
from the world about relationships? What what is the world saying uh, relationships should be? And uh, when I was when I was doing my study pad for this subject, I googled uh, intimacy because I wanted to see uh, what Google would say. And typically, it's the same thing. I mean, it's the same rules. And then you see all of these people that are quote unquote experts. And they come up and they have all of these things about intimacy. And 99%, well, let me be fair, 95% of the time, it's sexual. I mean, they somehow um, make intimacy something sexual. And I, you know, and I want to dispel that today because there are people that, first of all, if you're not married and if intimacy is sexual, then it kind of puts a... (laughs) kind of puts a keg in your wheel because you can't really experience that if it's something that's sexual because we believe that you shouldn't have sex before you're married. Now, I know that's something that a lot of pulpits don't preach about today, but, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, either you believe in it and you practice it or you don't believe in it and you do whatever you want to do. And that's the same with everything. But I want to establish some rules of intimacy. And this is going to be a quick one as far as the rules of intimacy. You'll probably laugh, but, I mean, I'm really... I'm really not trying to be funny, but um, I have a I have a definition of what I what I personally wrote. Now again, you won't you will not find this anywhere else. This is something that I personally feel myself. So I'm giving you my personal feeling because I know we got these deep theological folks out there, and they want to try to exegete every word you say, particularly that one right there. So this is <laughs> I love Trey. But this is, this is really my definition of what intimacy is. But the rules of intimacy, I, and I saw when I went to this these sites, I saw so many different, I mean, they had like eight or 10, sometimes 12 different things about what intimacy is. And, and I'm looking at this and, and I'm trying to line up what they're saying with scripture. And it, but it wasn't matching. It just was not matching. So someone asked me, well, what does the word of God say about intimacy? It says a lot. It says a lot, and I'm telling you, 98% of that has nothing to do with anything physical or sexual, nothing. But that's why I want to give you the Bible definition, because I know people that are probably listening in right now, when you talk about intimacy, they immediately want to make it something sexual. And they even may say, well, let me see what Pastor B uh, feels uh, how he feels about intimacy and you know what he does to be intimate well I'm not gonna get into a lot of personal stuff with me first of all because my wife is the one that's now um, she's actually filming this so if I if I started uh, talking to vet you know how she is she, she's 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 real you know real close to the vest so she don't like me talking about personal things. I'm gonna talk about some of them so do can I baby can I talk about something <laughs> she said yeah I can So I'm going to talk about some of those, but I really want to give you the biblical definition or the biblical rules of intimacy. So let me give you the rules of intimacy right now. Here are the rules of intimacy. There are two. There are two rules of intimacy according to the word of God. Y'all ready for them? This is going to be deep. Y'all got your pens and paper? This is going to be deep. You better get this. I mean, if you don't get it the first time, you may not get it. Now, here are the the rules of intimacy. What are you laughing at, Brokaw? Here are the rules of intimacy according to God's word. Now, here we go. Rules of intimacy. Simply this. Whatever the word of God says about being intimate and being close to the one that you love the most, follow that. 
Number two, when everything else goes wrong, refer back to rule number one. There it is. The rules of intimacy. We're going to talk about now some details about what intimacy really is. Now, let me give you uh, my definition. This is John Baysmore Jr.'s definition. What I believe it is to me. So now, here it is. Intimacy. The outward expression of your innermost desire to be as close to that person as you can, whomever that person may be, so that they may experience physically and emotionally the oneness of that moment. Again, the outward expression of your innermost desire to be as close to that person as you can so that they may experience physically and emotionally the oneness of that moment. So we're going to get into more detail about the oneness of the moment. So now let's talk about where intimacy got started. Because, I mean, we can't really talk about it if we don't talk about how it all got started. So did it get started? Here's the question. Did intimacy get started with a man and a woman? Or did it start someplace else? Because now here's the thing. If it started with a man and a woman, that means we get to define what intimacy really is. So that means everybody will have their different definition of what intimacy is, but it, it did not start with man and woman. So let's look at your Bibles. I want you to go to your Bibles. I want you to write these scriptures down because I want you to see it. Intimacy really started in the Garden of Eden, but not with Adam and Eve. It did not start after the Garden of Eden because that means it would have started with a man and a woman. But it, the true intimacy started in the Garden of Eden. So now I want you to think about what you believe, Cheryl, intimacy is. Because we all have our definitions. I want you to think about what you hear intimacy is. You know, what people are saying and what they equate intimacy with. Because nine times out of ten, there's something physical. They, they believe that intimacy has to be, have to begin and end with something physical. I don't believe that at all. So now let me let me uh, get into something. Intimacy as shown in the word of God, it can be associated with something sexual, but it does not really have to be. It's not necessarily sexual, it's not necessarily something physical. Intimacy in its purest form is innocence. Now, I, I really want you to get this. Intimacy in its purest form is innocence. Now, before Adam and Eve uh, got together and all of the other stuff, that was after they had failed the first time they got together physically, um, they, they did experience something that was purely innocent. And I want you to understand something else. Innocence really means before anything gets in to filter out the thing that is pure. So now, you're, you know, when you start a relationship, and many of you can relate to this, it's really, I mean, you got these, these things in your stomach, and guys get them too. I know women, you know, y'all believe y'all are the only ones that start feeling this funny kind of way. And I ain't going to tell you what your husband said about you, Nikki, but he, trust me, he don't even play. Trust me, <laughs> he was talking about you so bad. No, I'm kidding. But no, he was talking about you, but in an intimate way. And it had nothing to do with anything physical. And I want to prove that from the word of God, because if we can get your past this sexual idea of intimacy, stop making me laugh, man, I'm trying to be serious. If we can get past this 
this idea that intimacy has to be something sexual, then we can really grab a hold of what we should be looking for. Because if you believe that intimacy is something physical, then that's what you're going to look for. And then it creates another problem because if you're not married, you're going to feel frustrated because you're going to say, well, I can't really experience intimacy because I can't, I'm not married and I can't get physical with another man or woman. But that's not what the word of God is talking about. So talking about innocence. Now, females can relate to this and I'm going to keep it clean because I know we have children here. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep it as you know, as above board as I possibly can. If I go, if I'm getting a little overboard, just kind of wave your hand and I'll back up a little. But it's kind of hard to talk about intimacy without, you know, talking about some of the things that we need to say. So now, every female, when they're born, they have something that God gave them that has no medical reason to have it. You ask any doctor, you ask any nurse, you ask doctors that are scientists, they, none of them can give a medical explanation why females were given this. I mean, it, it does nothing for you physically. Uh, there's no there's no medical uh, danger if you don't have it, but it's just there, you know. And I mean, I'm talking about at your innocent stage. So now every woman, when they're born, grandma, they have a hymen. And there is no physical reason that a woman has that. I did research on this. I wanted to know, and I actually Googled it, what is the medical reason for hymen? I wanted to see what doctors had to say. There is none. There is no medical reason that a woman has a hymen. But now, talking about innocence, the woman has this at her most innocent stage, even when she does not even realize that one is there. But even as she gets a little older and starts realizing you know, that, that is there. And then, you know, you start getting the chatter from your friends. People start making you feel as though something is wrong with you if you are not being like everybody else. Because now the world tells you. I even had somebody to say, to tell somebody once, here's, here's what you do before you be intimate. Now, they're talking about something sexual. Before you're intimate with your boyfriend, that they said, you should... Make him wait for 90 days. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. Make him wait for 90 days, and then the two of you can be intimate. Well, no. You make him wait for 90 days, they can, then the two of you will be physical, but you will not be intimate because that's not what intimacy is. So now let's look at this, this innocent part of a woman, the hymen. Now, when you think about that word, it's spelled H-Y-M-E-N. Now, have no reason to be on a woman's physical body. But now talking about intimacy, it's there. So what does it represent? The word hymen is where, Trey, we derive our English word, him. So now, him is a form of what? Worship. When you're singing a hymn, it is a pure time of worship and intimacy. You are singing that song unto God because that is your that is your expression of what's going on inside of your hearts. So now, if the word uh, him is derived from hymen, it tells us that, I, and I believe this, that that hymen is placed into a woman, but for no other reason but to establish covenant with that person that God has ordained you to be with. And when that hymen is broken, it's a sign that that man and that woman 
has become one. But now, she is no longer innocent. So if it happens before marriage, then it really uh, creates a barrier to having true intimacy. So now the loss of interest, the loss of intimacy or the loss of innocence was the creation of barriers. So what are some of the barriers that we have to, to um, intimacy? Well, barriers like shame and guilt and being uncomfortable. Now let's talk about the, the part of being uncomfortable and shame and guilt. Adam and Eve were perfectly in line with God. Now, people try to say, Trey, that uh, God spoke to them. You know, this is what people believe. Because they don't, they, they don't want to believe that, you know, that the Lord came here and was literally physically in the Garden of Eden. They, want, they would rather believe that there was some type of supernatural way that he was speaking from heaven. And Adam and Eve were listening because they said the voice of the Lord. I won't even get into that theologically because I don't have time for that. But I truly believe that he was there. He was there in the garden when he created Adam. Now, let me give you the reason that I believe this. Look at uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. So now, this is one of the most intimate times that Adam experienced with God. Because God was right there in the garden with him. And imagine he took him by the hand and he walked him to the place that he created just for him. So now I know when, when I wanted to impress Darlene, you know, uh, I, that to me, that was a true time of intimacy. Because though she knew me as a friend, I knew that I wanted that relationship at another level. So there's a part of me that she did not know about. So what I did, Grandma, I, I kind of, you know, started showing her a part of me that nobody else knew but Sister Jan who had passed. I started showing her that, you know, the side of me that was so taken with her that I wanted to do something to, to get her to be as close to me as possible. So can you see God walking through the garden? Now, I know some, part, some people have a hard time with this, and I think I said it before. And, you know, it took me a while, Trey, to get used to the idea of walking hand in hand with a man and being intimate. That's hard for me. I mean, now, some of y'all, you know, that may have been easy for you, but I got to tell you, nigga, that was hard for me. It was hard for me to picture myself being that close to a man. But this is what happened in the Garden of Eden. That's why I said it's not really a physical thing. It's a, it's a desire to show something about yourself that that person just don't know. You want them to know something that nobody else knows because you are trying to pull them in. So God took Adam by the hand. He made something for him before he, before he took him there. He dressed it up for him. And then he took him by the hand and he walked him to his present. He presented this to him. Now, for him, this is one of the most intimate moments he could have experienced because now we, we know from the word of God that, you know, the Bible says when God looked at man, he said, and this is, he didn't say it was good, Nikki. He said, this is very good. He said, this is very good. That was a moment that I can see on his face that he was probably smiling. True, int true intimacy is a byproduct or let me put a byproduct of, of true intimacy is an insatiable desire to give. So now imagine 
Imagine now, let me give you an example. When Darlene wants to be intimate with me, one of the things that she does, it's okay, honey. It's okay. <laughs> we ain't talking about nothing physical here. But let me tell you what she does. There are signs, uh, Cheryl, that, that I see from her because she, she, she not only cooks nice things for me, but then she stands back and she watches me enjoy it. Have you ever done that? You, you, you're just so excited about giving somebody something and then you stand there and you want to see how they're enjoying that gift that you have given them. I know when I was working at, at Wachovia Bank, every two weeks was payday for me. And it got to the point where all of the people that I was leading, you know, I had like 18 FSs that worked under me. And it got to the point where about five or six of them, they would call me on payday. And here's what they would say. John, this is a true story, Pat. What are you getting for Darlene this time? No, I'm telling you the truth because, I mean, there was such a, an insatiable desire inside of me to give something to her. And this is what true intimacy does. It really makes you want to give something to that other person. So now, when, when you're really intimate, you get more excited about giving it most of the time than they do about receiving it. Because I remember being in the office, I was at the Menlo Park Mall, Cheryl, that, at that time, that's where my office was. And I had bought this beautiful, it's sort of like a suit, the color that she has on right now. As a matter of fact, it might, no, it was actually a suit with a jacket with a, with a skirt. And I had bought this tan suit and it had the little white trim on the collar. Then I really hooked it up, Try I bought her these tan shoes that was trimmed in white. Man, then I bought her this, this uh, pearl thing to, to wear around the neck and I bought earrings. And I laid it out on the desk. You would have thought that I was completely Nikki out of my mind. But I laid it out on the desk, and there were three uh, financial specialists that was in that office at the time. So I said, come here, come here, come here. So I invited them into the office, and I had the stuff laid out on the desk. I'm giving you a picture of how God feels about you. I laid it out on the desk, and I said, what you think? Do you think she'll like it? Do you think she'll, she'll be into it? And, and one of them said, you know, Mr. Paysmore, if you and Darlene ever break, I said, don't even go there. I don't, I don't, I can't. No. <laughs> Do you like this? Do you think she's going to like it? And I'm standing there like this, Nikki, and I'm just grinning like a Jessica. I mean, I'm so excited because this is my form of intimacy. It has nothing to do with something sexual. You know, that, anyway, it had nothing to do. <laughs> Brother had to reel it in for a minute. It had nothing to do, Cheryl, at that moment with anything sexual. <laughs> Y'all are crazy. <laughs> but what I was really doing, I was so excited. You see, this is what intimacy does. It really makes you want to give to the other person. And true intimacy begins the moment you wake up. It has nothing to do with, I want to get with her tonight, so let me buy her some flowers, or let me do this, and you know, and you know, maybe, you know, maybe we can get together tonight. No, that has nothing to do with it. I did it, Cheryl, because there was something inside of me that could not resist just getting something so I could stand back and watch her enjoy it. That's what intimacy does. It, it gives you that, that, that moment where you really want to give them something and watch them enjoy it. I know, I, know I, I went away for a few days, and 
I would call Dollar Thinking, as a matter of fact, it was a couple years ago, I went to California to see my son. And so Darlene was there alone. So I called her one night and I said, well, honey, what are you doing? She said, I have on your t-shirt. I said, okay. Why you got on my t-shirt? Before she even said why she had on the t-shirt, she said, and I put your cologne on it. And then I laid on your pillow because I wanted to smell you <laughs> as I was sleeping. I, I, that makes me feel close. Am I talking crazy? It makes me feel close to you. And that's what intimacy really is. It has nothing to do with something physical. It's this, this, this desire to be one with that person, whether they're there or not. So if you can be intimate with somebody that's not there, then, then it tells me a whole lot. So now, true intimacy does not dominate. Now, the reason that I put this there, imagine God being intimate with Adam. It was only Adam at the time. And he took him to the Garden of Eden, and he... And I just, Nikki, in my mind, I try to imagine the grin that was on his face. Because you know how you get something for somebody to trade, and you're so excited, you can't wait to give it to them, and you know, you just all beaming, and you're standing there looking like, <laughs> you know, what you, what you think? I can imagine this is how the Lord was, Pat. He was taking Adam to the Garden of Eden that the Bible says that it came down from someplace, and it was attached to something that was already there. So the paradise of God was brought from there to here, and then it was presented to Adam. It was presented to him. And I can imagine showing him standing back and just looking and just watching. You see, this is where true intimacy began. The world does God a disservice when it makes you believe that intimacy is something that happens between a male and female. And I'm not even gonna go in that other area because I don't believe in that mess. This female to female and male to male. You will never hear me talking about no stuff like that. I will not be inclusive like that because I don't believe in it. But I ain't talking about that. That's another sermon. So I'm talking about dominance. Now, can you imagine that God gave them, you know, the Garden of Eden? And then, you know, he, he told them that that tree there, don't touch it. Don't eat off of that tree because the day you do, Dying, you shall die. What does he really mean? The day you touch that tree, this feeling that we're having between one another, innocence is going to be lost. And then barriers are going to get in the way. How many of you have ever experienced barriers in your relationship? You know, you, you, you just, you want to be, you know, you want to be, this is why it's so, it's so important not to commit adultery. Because it, it literally creates a barrier in that relationship. You, you know, I can't imagine my wife, and I know, you know, not, not just being intimate and giving things, thank you, son. Not just being intimate and giving things, but I, I know, you know, how she is. I, I, know, I know her touch. I know that, that look, Cheryl, that she gives me. Not the look that you guys see. There's, a, there's another Darlene look, Pat, that y'all don't know nothing about. There's a look, Trey, that she gives me. There's something in her eyes that are very inviting. And, you know, and I know, you know, because she has amazingly soft hands. And when she puts her hands on my face and she looks in my eyes, something happens to my heart. It has nothing to do. It has nothing to do with what I think is about to happen. But what it really does, that there's something in me that connects with her so closely that I could just stay in that moment just for hours and hours, just her looking at me, just 
feeling her hand on. Sometimes we're watching TV. You, you know, I'm trying to tell you guys what intimacy really is. And we're watching TV show, and you know, we're, we're sitting there on the couch. And we have two couches that are facing one another, one over here, one over here. And sometimes we're trying to, you know, put up, you know, get one of these red box movies. And Dolly normally sits on the other chair and has her legs propped up. And I sit on my chair and I have my legs propped up. But then sometimes we'll get this movie. You know, there's one movie that we like to watch together. And we wa we just watched it a few days again. And I tell you something, y'all ever see a movie that every time you watch it, you know when the scene is coming, but you still cry? <laughs> we we watch, now our movie is The Notebook. If you have never seen that, have you guys ever seen That's our movie. And every single time we get to this scene where, you know, he has her in the room. And he has the, you know, the wine on the table and, and she kind of comes back for a moment and they're standing there dancing and they're looking at one another and she's like, can it just be like this forever? And my heart, and they, they said, John, you soft, man. Well, I guess I am because that scene gets to me every time. I mean, I look at the way they, they, they really, they really, um. They really staged them really good. I mean, they matched that couple together well because, I mean, the, the look that they were giving one another. And every time that I look at it, I just close my eyes and I see myself, you know, just standing there with Darlene. And, you know, and then she she's normally sitting beside me. And this is what I do. I kind of lean back and I have my leg propped up on her, her two legs. And then she has a head laid over here on my shoulder. And so I'm just standing there and I'm just... I'm, I'm telling you all my little secrets, but I'm just playing in the hair, Pat. I am. I'm just playing in the hair. And that is the most intimate time. Had nothing to do, believe me when I tell you, has nothing to do with anything sexual. It's just that moment where you feel so close to them that nobody else uh, could possibly understand. So now, I want to show you in the Bible, and give me 10 more minutes and I'm going to be done, but I want to show you in the Bible where intimacy really it was lost in the Garden of Eden, but I want to show you where God started reestablishing his intimacy with man. Now, you guys know if there is one thing I like talking about, what is the thing that I like talking about the most? Don't say how well y'all know me. What do, you, what do I like really talking about that you see me just get a twinkle in my eye when I talk about it? And they're like, Pastor, you get a twinkle in your eye about everything. <laughs> well, I don't, smart There you go. There, that's my baby, the tabernacle. There is something about that, Pat, that I don't know. I, I, think, I think the Lord really wanted me to fully understand what went on there because I have spent years, literally, Trey, years studying the tabernacle. And the thing about it, Grandma, every time I study it, I see more. So I was in the room when I had Googled about intimacy. So I said, Trey, Holy Spirit, uh, why don't you show me your picture of intimacy? Show me what intimacy really is all about. Show me how, not how it was lost because I know that, but how was the true intimacy really reestablished? And you would have thought, Trey, he was like right beside me like you are. He started spilling things to me and my eyes began to open and he showed me the tabernacle. And I really began to get a true picture of what God was doing. He said to Moses, I want you to build me a place that I can come down and dwell with my people. Now, you got to understand, he said that for a reason. Because now, he came down to dwell with Adam in the Garden of Eden. But now, once innocence was lost, the intimacy was broken. 
but he wanted that intimacy back. So what did he do? He said, Moses, I want you to build me a place where I can come and dwell with my people. So imagine this. He gave him all of the instructions. Look at Exodus chapter 25. He gave him all of the instructions for building of the tabernacle. One of the things he said, I want you to build a curtain. Now, let, let me show you the tabernacle first of all. When you look at the tabernacle, there's really three sections, right? There's the outer court, there's the, the inner court of the holy place, and then there's the, the holy of holies. So now, this is all like dating. The outer court is where everybody is invited. So I want you to think about, you, you just met your man, Cheryl, and you invite, you want everybody to meet him. So, you know, he's invited to the outer court, but y'all are not, you're not married, but it's just a kind of getting to know stage. So you want everybody to see, this is my guy. I, you know, I really believe there's a connection there. So the outer court kind of represents the place where it's one way in. You know, you, you, got, you can establish this relationship only one way, a foundation of Christ. So now, being that you're both believers, you come into the gate, the east gate, the only way in, the only way out. But you're in the outer court where everybody can be. Nothing purely intimate about that, but you're getting to know one another. You are courting. <laughs> in the outer court, you are courting. So now, as you're in the outer court, you know, everybody's invited there. So what does everybody do when they come in? They bring a gift. They bring a gift. So now, you're really getting excited about this guy, so you're kind of... You're kind of watching everybody and you're kind of trying to see how people how people like him. You know, though it's not going to make a difference to you, but you're just kind of trying to see, you know, how people are going to like. It's sort of like when you're working on your job and nobody's met your new boyfriend, so you take him there. And, this is my boyfriend, Trey. Or, no, you don't call him Trey Thomas. This is, this is my man, Thomas. Real nice guy, so everybody's kind of checking this dude out. They're kind of looking at him, you know, well, he got a bald head. I don't know, Nikki. I don't know. So they kind of, <laughs> I'm messing with him now, you know that. They're kind of checking this dude out. But then, you got to go to the, you go to the inner court. Now, in the inner court, there's only close friends and family that are there. Because now, you want to really hear what other people have to say about this guy. So now, you start hearing stories, particularly from the mama. But when, let me tell you something about him. Nikki, when he was five years old, then you start hearing all the little, you know, intimate details about him. Because you're getting to know him better. But everybody was not invited into the inner court. Only close family and friends. Only close family and friends are invited there. But then you guys, you know, you really get together. Then you decide, this is the man for me. Or this is the woman for me. So now what do you do? You get married. Because you want to take this intimacy to another level. I'm not talking about physical now. Well, check this out. Look at what God did. So God let everybody come to the outer court. He let only select priests come to the inner court. But then the Holy of Holies, get this, Cheryl. Only one priest, the high priest, was allowed behind the curtain. Everything else, Trey, was separated by the veil or the curtain. You ever see a woman wear a veil over her face? There's a reason for that. Because it's symbolic of a time of innocence. You know, before that veil is pulled and she's pronounced as your wife, she belongs to someone else. But now once the veil is moved, now... There's a connection between the two of you. So now, when you go into that Holy of Holies, the only one that was allowed in there was the high priest. Now, check this out. God is a cool dude, man. Trey, God is cool. I mean, he's not cool. He's mad cool. 
Now I'm, I'm trying to tell you. I was reading this trend. I said, check this guy out. Check him out. You know, he wanted a time of intimacy, but he closed the curtain because nobody else could see because it was something private. It's between God and the high priest. No family, no friends, no associates. It's just God and that high priest. He said, I need a curtain there because I need this private time. But then check this out. He told Moses, now, when he comes behind the veil, I want him to be dressed a certain way. So I want you to make him a garment so that Pat, when he comes behind the veil, he's looking just the way I want my bride to look. They made a, a head dressing for him, made a covering, even had a, a, a ephod that had different types of stones in there. So that when he presented himself to his husband, he, he was something special. Then it got even deeper, Pat. He said, now I want you to burn some incense because there is a smell that I want to be associated with this moment. And even when we have this moment once a year, even when that's gone every day, I want the high priest to go in and burn this incense. Because every time this incense is burned, it reminds me of you. It reminds me of this intimacy that we have. You imagine that. Imagine, you know, I used to wonder why do women feel like they need to put on this special stuff? Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, I mean, you can, you've been married to this guy for 20 years, you know, but then something happens and you go to, what is that place called? Yes, Victoria's Secrets. You go there and you get this nice uh, little thin thing and, you know, you, yeah, negligee. There you go, Nikki. And all the other stuff I ain't going to talk about that goes under it. And you get all these little nice things and then you put on heels because you just want to look, you just want to look special in it. And then you got this way that you smell. There's this, there's this perfume that Darlene wears. Man. How for a brother to stay focused when she has it on? I'm trying to tell you. I mean, when I, and then when I smell it on somebody else, first thing I think about is her. I think about her. Sometimes it's moments, Trey. You know, shut up. <laughs> Sometimes it's moments where I'm going through the mall, and I smell it. This actually happened when I was working for Walkover. I smelled some perfume that she had, and it wasn't even payday. But I, I did, Cheryl, this is the honest truth. I went inside of the store and I just started looking for stuff. And I, you know, I bought it. I just, this little nice, you know, y'all know this stuff. It's in Victoria's Secrets. I went in there, bought her something real special. And, and then I wanted, you know, I wanted her to see it. And then I said, because I know how Darlene is, hey, will you wear it? And she kind of looked at it. And she said, the famous word, I don't know, babe. I don't know if I can wear this. But she did finally put it on anyway. Now, her putting this on had nothing to do, I want you to get this, it had nothing to do, Pat, with sex. But it was my way of expressing to her my innermost feelings to see her in that thing that I just bought her. And she bought it. I'm going to tell y'all a story in a second. Y'all going to think I'm crazy. But I'm going to tell the story anyway. Because my children already know the story. But I'm going to tell you the story anyway. But I bought it for her, Cheryl. And she put it on. 
And then she said, you know, you know how sometimes y'all women can mess up the moment. Now, babe, you know, I'm not as small as I used to. Sh- I didn't stop talking. And I'm not thinking about stop talking. You're killing the moment. This has nothing to do with what you look like when you was 30. I don't care. That has no- Don't kill the moment. Man, oh, man. I said, just, babe, just put on the thing and just don't talk. You know, just, just walk in the heels. And just let the thing flow over your legs and, you know, just turn. And I told her, I said, turn around. I'm telling you, this had nothing to do with sex, Louise. It's just there was something that I smelled that made me think about her and it made me want to do something to her or do something for her that that would draw us close to you. (laughs) Nikki, Nikki, Nikki. (laughs) Yeah, you see, for y'all watching on Facebook Live, my members are crazy. They're going places, boldly going where I would never go. But anyway, so I told her, Cheryl, to put this on. I said, now turn around, you know, and let the thing, Louise, just flow over your thigh. Yes. And then she had the heels on and had her hair down. And I'm looking at her like, I love the way you look in that. I said, it just, it makes your skin look so good. And she's like, John, you just love me. Yeah, I do, but I'm telling you the truth. It just makes you look so good. I said, baby, you just smell so good. And here's the, here's the kicker. Nothing happened that night. There wasn't a plan. You know what happened that night, Nikki? We just held one another. And I just, I was just smelling her. I said, you smell so good. It, you just, I said, I'm, then I told her, I said, I'm so glad that I have you. I never thought, Darlene, I would be able, I call her lean. I said, I never thought, lean, I would be able to feel this way again. And then she landed with her fine self in my arms. And I'm just rubbing their head and looking at her. She said, babe, why are you staring at me? I can't help it. I said, I just love you so much. I remember we first moved to, to Georgia. This is when we, I want, I'm talking about intimacy. So I'm going to give you this example, then I'm done. And, you know, we were watching TV. I don't know what it was, but anyway, something on TV came on. And these guys started dancing. You, not guys. Yeah, guys started dancing for the women at this, what do they call the, um, yeah, I guess a bright, it was a, yeah, bachelorette thing. So Jen started laughing and she said, can you imagine that? She said, I can't even imagine, John, you doing that. So I said, you want me to do that for you? Wonderful. She looked at me and she's like, are you serious? I said, yeah, I am. She said, they stopped. I said, no, I am. So now, in the meantime, I'm having this conversation. I'm telling her what I'm going to do. Little did I know, my little smart aleck kids, they was outside the door listening to everything. So now when I went to the store and I bought the little things that guys wear, and man, I put on my music, Cheryl, and I just started dancing for her. Then all of a sudden, you talk about kill, kill in the moment. I heard outside of the door, go daddy, go, d-. you talking about killing the moment. <laughs> this is an absolute true story. So now I'm saying that to say this. Intimacy really has nothing to do with sex. It's the way that you feel about that person and the way that you're trying to draw them in because you want to express outwardly what's going on inside of your heart. Stand on your feet. So true intimacy has everything to do with what's going on inside of your heart. So I don't want you single people to feel like just because you're not married, you can't experience intimacy. You can experience intimacy with the Lord. Now imagine him building the tabernacle and then telling Moses, this is what I want 
um, Aaron, the high priest, to wear when he comes in. He said, I want him to have on a special garment, something special on his head. I want you to burn incense. Can, I mean, you're talking about God being cool. I mean, imagine that he's telling Moses, I want you to burn incense. Now, check this out. He told Moses, if this incense is used any other time, the person that used it, let him be cursed. Because this is representative of the time that we spend especially together. So God created intimacy so that we could enjoy him. And through him, we can enjoy one another. Are you in need of an encouraging word to start your day? Do you need someone to pray in agreement with you? Here at Restoration Christian Ministries, we offer our daily prayer call, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Eastern Time, where members of our ministry team will lift you up as you head out into the course of your day. The phone number for our prayer call is 641-715-3645, and the PIN number to dial is 500-765, followed by the pound key. Be encouraged and stay encouraged with our daily prayer call at 641-715-3645. Don't forget to press 500-765 and the pound key for our prayer call at Restoration Christian Ministries. Introducing Minister Thomas Gilbert with the final word. Good evening, everyone. If you would please turn your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I just real quick want to speak to you um, in regard to uh, the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but not in the sense of what they are and how, you know, uh, we often get into explaining them. But I want to talk about three different points uh, in regard to the gifts of the Spirit. And I'll, I'll release those points here in just a second. But let me read this scripture. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And I'll stop there. Um, <clears throat> so first off, the, the first issue that we have or the first point that I want to discuss is the difficulties of the gifts. So Paul says earlier on in actually chapter seven of first Corinthians that he's writing to them concerning the things that they wrote to him about. So when he starts off chapter 12, he says now concerning the spiritual gifts. So there were difficulties and the difficulties, one of the easiest ones that we can point to in terms of the obvious is the difficulties of understanding. When you don't understand a thing, by default, you abuse it because you don't know how it is used. And so this is the very first problem that we run into when we get to talking about spiritual gifts. When we get to talking about the Holy Spirit in general, we run into difficulties of understanding what the Holy Spirit is to us, what he means to us, what he does for us, what he does through us, what he does to us and how he changes our lives. And so uh, in, in understanding spiritual gifts, we must first understand what the gifts are. He goes on to explain that there are basically nine spiritual gifts. Uh, and then he goes on to this to explain um, our next uh, point, which would be uh, the distribution. Why do we have these gifts? We have these gifts because it pleases God to give them to us. It ple he, he gives them to us at his will, Paul says later on. 
It's it's by the will of God that we have these and it's pleasing unto him. He gives them to us as he pleases. So he distributes the gifts as he pleases. However, the third point is the diversity of gifts and, and finding the understanding of uh, what these gifts are and how we are to use them. Sometimes we get a little distracted because there are diversities of gifts. Same spirit, one Holy Spirit, but he operates in many different ways through us. Some people may have a gift of discernment of spirits. Some people have a gift of speaking in uh, diverse tongues. Some people have the gift of interpreting those tongues. Some people have the gift of wisdom, knowledge, prophecy, faith, all of these different workings of miracles, healings, things of that nature. We have these gifts and yet they are all from the same spirit, different manifestations of the way the spirit operates through our lives. And so we have difficulties in understanding how we are to use these gifts and how we are to access them sometimes. And sometimes because we don't understand that God is the one who is pleased and God is the one who is willing to give us these gifts, we sometimes place the burden of carrying them upon our own shoulders. So I want you to be encouraged today that as you operate, as the Holy Spirit operates through you and the different diversities of these gifts, that you just begin to understand, that you get into your word, that you fellowship with the Holy Spirit to just get into understanding what these gifts are and how to use them and how to operate and what he has given you the gift for, whatever gift you may have. God bless you. I pray that this has helped in some way. Thank you for listening. We hope that you are encouraged by God's word and will tune in next time to this station for our Sunday service at Restoration Christian Ministries. Stay encouraged and have a blessed week. Celebrate Halloween with dressed up donuts from Dunkin', like the spooky sweet Halloween spider donut. Trick or treat! Aren't you a little bit old to be trick or treating? Uh, no. This is, uh, it's just a really good, uh, costume. Anyway, I hear you're giving out Dunkin' Spider Donuts? Didn't I just see you with your kid? No, that was just, uh, my friend. Psst, Dad, is it working? Run to Dunkin' all month long for the Halloween spider donut and get 10 Munchkins donut hole treats for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Limited time offer, participation may vary. Celebrate Halloween with dressed up donuts from Dunkin', like the spooky sweet Halloween spider donut. Trick or treat! Aren't you a little bit old to be trick or treating? Uh, no. This is, uh, it's just a really good, uh, costume. Anyway, I hear you're giving out Dunkin' spider donuts? Didn't I just see you with your kid? No, that was just, uh, my friend. Psst. Dad, is it working? Run to Dunkin' all month long for the Halloween Spider Donut and get 10 Munchkins Donut Hole Treats for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Limited time offer. Participation may vary.